0: Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this show on Monday, November 21st, 2022. And I'm pretty sure what you want to hear is Drew Taylor talking about the news that broke last night at 10 o'clock. In fact, did you do the same thing I did when it showed up, did you initially go, mm, no, it, this is fake. This is a hack. You know, this can't be real. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, you know, I was I was getting texts from people at the company and I said, please, please, please send me the screenshots. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. let me see this for real because it is just, it's insane. So I, I, I have people very generously sent me the actual letter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it was astounding.
0: You know how you in your email you can you know, group things by date or name or address? That's what I did. I literally took, when the, the press release came through, after a couple of minutes, hit address just to check, it. and it's the same address. But at the same time, given everything that's going on over Twitter, I thought, oh, God, somebody's hacked Some, somehow. Right. But Nancy and I actually debated about putting the info out there, and I said, Let's wait till it shows up someplace and And, like a second later, it showed up on deadline. And it's like, okay, deadline has it. It's legit. ok. We are twenty hours in at this point during our recording at at like eight forty east Coast time. okay, twenty two hours in What have you heard over the past twenty four?
1: Well, I've been working for, I think, 20 of those hours, just <laughs> covering every little twist okay. and turn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I had heard last night that there was some kind of um, meeting being convened on the lot. So, of course, mm-hmm. I jumped in the car and tried to and drove down and tried to see mm-hmm. if I could see anybody. But uh, everybody that I've talked to from mm-hmm. a bunch of different business units has been just really – if not outright elated, then Mm -hmm. cautiously optimistic for what this means Mm -hmm. for the company. And I haven't seen this kind of level of enthusiasm at Disney in a long time, but I would love to know what you are hearing and and what vibe you're getting from people.
0: People have to have realistic expectations. Bob Chapek is gone. At the same time, evidently, on his way out the door, He signed an NDA and a non-disparagement agreement.
1: I saw that, yeah.
0: Yeah, so we're not going to hear the stories that this is not Michael Ovitz too. Everything I've heard is that there have been concerns about uh, Mr. Chapek for about five months, but things really crystallized after the last earnings call and then, like, Three days later, the memo went out about the hiring freeze and the layoffs. And the concern at that point was that he's going to call the shots as to who's going to be fired at the company, who's going going to be let go. And it's like, and there's no coming back from that. And there were so many people who were already pointing, for example, to to Bob Weiss leaving and to Peter Rice leaving. And it's just sort of like, do we really want this to happen? And... A lot of folks on the board decided no. And then things really began to move last week, as I understand it. Though I I guess it wasn't until Friday that that they reached out to to Iger and felt him out about whether or not he was interested in returning.
1: Yeah, I'd heard he would made their decision in less than 12 hours, which you know means that he was really bugging Willow at home if she said, yes, take the job, get out of here.
0: It's so interesting you bring up Willow. Willow Bay, Bob Iger's wife. She teaches at UCLA, I want to say. I believe so, yeah. Have you been hearing the Tom Brady Giselle jokes in <laughs> regard to Bob Iger and Willow, you know, to the effect of you're unretiring? <laughs> do I have to call and find out who Giselle's lawyer is? Um, <laughs> but evidently, the two year agreement, evidently, Bob went and spoke with Willow, and Willow was like, okay, two years. You know, you can do this for two years, but then you are retired. So it's not the board that set the two-year limitation on this deal. It's it's Bob Iger's wife. But it's you know just come back, clean up the mess that Bob Chapek made, and by proxy, remember that Bob Iger was the guy who, after doing the the Bake Off with Jay Razullo and Tom Staggs, that, that you know that's how we wound up with Chapek. So this is his mess to clean up.
1: It's very interesting that he has designed his own uh, his own trap. I mean. You know, you and I have talked about the possibility of them buying Candle Media Mm -hmm. and installing Meyer and Staggs in, you know, the CEO and uh, president positions, much like Eisner and Wells. But um... That's
0: what I'm hearing from people around Susan Arnold, that she was the one who evidently really put her foot on the gas and made this happen. But supposedly the conversations they've had with Bob Iger is, you know, it's like, look. The most creative and most controlled times of the company were when there were two. You had a creative and you had a money guy. You had a Walt or Roy, or you had a Michael and a Frank. And so, what's been set up in front of Mr. Iger is find the two people, not men, could be women, uh, to run the Disney company today. Because when you seriously look at the size of the company, that Disney is you know, when I I walked out the door. I mean, you know, the, the Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, ESPN, ABC, the parks. I think Bob Chapek proved it. It's too big for one guy to run. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. So,
1: well, it'll be interesting to see who comes back with him, and yes. if and if there will be more maneuvering
0: from here on out. As I understand it, there's a lot of folks who. Were raised up during the company during Bob Chapek's brief run at the top, and it's that we we've already seen a Kareem Daniel just today step away. And other thing people re- need to understand here is that we're headed into the holiday season and award season, so there's going to be a lot of artificial cover for Bob Iger in the coming weeks between the short work weeks and people focusing on on awards and that sort of thing. So. He will have time to sort of sit back, evaluate, and sort of prune Disney as he sees fit, but
1: but he also loves he loves this sh- he loves getting in there and you know, shaking hands at a party after a screening and stuff. so i'm I'm very curious as to how upfront he'll be with things,
0: yeah, but think about. How long it takes to to get a movie made today, especially these Disney event pictures, that sort of thing. Three and four years to get some of these things out the door. So even if Bob starts making decisions about, okay, we're going to make that movie or we're going to add that attraction to the park, again, this is a guy who's only supposed to be here for two years. People need to have realistic expectations about what this guy can do to turn the Disney company around, which is an ocean liner. Boy, Debbie Downer here. Nice to meet you, folks. Uh, Speaking of ocean liner, I wonder what they're going to
1: do with that cruise ship, Jim.
0: Oh, God. The global dream? Yeah. Yeah. I've been hearing some interesting stories about that, too. But evidently, they found out that the company was making the global dream, went into bankruptcy. The ship was sitting there in the shipyard. Basically, available for pennies on the dollar. Disney Cruise Line went over and looked at the thing and came back and said, We have ships. And we always talk about how the other cruise liners have basically milk cartons. This is a milk carton. This is a giant milk carton for 9,000 people that was designed to have a huge casino, uh, casinos, by the way. And it was just one of these things where it's like, yeah, I mean, we could get it for pennies on a dollar. What would we do with it? And evidently, Chapek, after hearing that, said, okay, thank you, wanted Wall Street to think of him as a deal maker, and said, I'm going to make this deal. I'm going to buy this ship and you guys are going to figure out what to do with it. Mind you, a Bob Iger for a kill fee can make this all go away.
1: Yes, I'm also hearing some interesting things about another possible merger. Uh, I don't know what your favorite fruit is, Jim. I think Bob (laughs) Iger is very fond of apples. That's all I. Oh, 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 oh,
0: oh, God. Help us. So that's a little taste of, of what's going on, and so how many stories do you have in the works right now for the? Wrap? I mean, right
1: now I, I'm I'm getting messages from my boss right now asking where I'm. I'm doing one about the sort of the the most pressing fires that mm. Iger has to put out right now. Uh. So yeah, I'm I'm working on that at the moment. So that'll be up tomorrow morning, and I'm sure everyone will. Yeah, I I have I've been. This is uh, interesting. This is like. Uh, round the clock coverage, Jim, and nothing nothing really puts the squeeze on you like also trying to finish 900 other articles before the uh, holiday weekend, you know, that's All right.
0: Okay, folks, I know it's an animation podcast where you get to the animation news. So the news portion of this podcast is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network for a worry-free travel experience. Every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Prior to this, Bob Chapek, Bob Iger, barely worth mentioning news. Drew and I had been looking over what's going over in, in animation this weekend. Kind of light. I mean, a lot of trailers. I mean, for example, you got to see the, the trailer for My Dad, the Bounty Hunter, right? Yeah, it looks really fun, doesn't it? It does. It does. It kind of reminds me a little bit. Did you get to see that uh, Owen Wilson, Michael Pena, Secret Headquarters thing for... Yes, uh,
1: yes, I did, for Paramount+. Plus.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit of that vibe. This project with animation filmmaker Everett Downey Jr., I, and he worked with, uh, what is it? Matthew Cherry on Hair Love.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And that got turned into a series for HBO Max called Young Love. Uh supposed to be 12 episodes, but Project got Greenlit back in July of 2020. Is this one of these things that got tripped up by the David Zaslav thing? I don't know. It, it's still coming on as far as I...
1: No, I've seen a little bit of it. It's really wonderful. The animation style is super charming. And it's a really fun expansion of that world. So maybe next year it'll be on? Okay,
0: well, the reason I ask is, again, the the hair love led to young love, the series. And and what's kind of confusing me about my dad, the bounty hunter, is depending on where you look, they describe it as a movie that's debuting on February 9th, 2023, But I've also seen in some places that it's a new sci-fi adventure series. So is it the movie that kickstarts a series? Oh, I don't know.
1: I thought it was a a movie too, and then I thought I saw that it was a series. So yeah, yeah, I have no idea,
0: yeah. Okay, well, based on the trailer, it looks great. Check it out February 9th of next year. Who knows, maybe it will lead to a series. We also got a trailer for Pixar's Elemental by our buddy Peter Son. By the way, has the battle? Is it the battle damage socks the cat that's supposed to show up at Target? What am I looking for? You were oh yeah, me about that's
1: that. in February. It's going to be the aged buzz and mm. the battle damage socks, Terminator mm. socks, as I like to call them. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, February. All right. Now, yeah. I, I will first watch my dad, the bounty hunter, and then go to Target. Okay. I have to say I like the trailer. It gave me a very Monsters Inc. meets Inside Out by way of Soul vibe showed us a world that we haven't seen before but that's still very familiar to us that that's kind of pixar's jam what did you think
1: yeah i mean i thought yeah it's 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 a it's i think i wrote that it was the pixariest pixar trailer <laughs> ever <laughs> uh <laughs> yes imagine jim a world where yeah. elements come to life and, yeah but I mean I loved all the gags on the on the train with you know the the water guy sneezing on the earth guy and then he has a lot of hair you know yeah. it, was, yeah. it was all well, very fun.
0: Absolutely. And in our very last moments we get to meet Wade our our made of water guy and Ember our our made of fire gal. We should mention that you and I because we went to the studio presentation at D23 back in September. We've seen a couple of actual scenes from this thing right
1: yeah yeah and and heard about the challenges that went into making Mm -hmm. the pixariest pixar movie ever (laughs) including how to make her look like she was made of fire but not Mm. on
0: fire there we go. Yes. There we go. By the way, the, the pixar is thing. See, this is why you end up on the side of boxes. But yes, it, again, the, the pixar is Pixar film. That's, that's a great description of, of Elemental, which arrives in theaters uh, June 16th of 2023. We also got another trailer. For Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, coming out next month, in fact, a, a month from today, December 21st, directed by Joel Crawford, who, a longtime storyboard artist at DreamWorks Animation, he was the director of The Croods and New Age, right?
1: Yeah, he's kind of a pitch hitter because he's come in and kind of like, you know, saved these two big franchise movies. Pretty, pretty cool. I can't wait to see it. I can't believe I haven't seen it yet, Jim. It's just insane.
0: I'm hearing that one of the reasons it has not been screened yet for the folks in the press, and media, that sort of thing, is you have suggested in the past that there is a, a Shrek film coming. And I not have a reboot. suggested that, yes, yes. You have seen it. Well, I was hearing from somebody at DreamWorks Animation that evidently a decision has been made in regard to the post-credit scene of this film and that this will be our first look at what a Shrek and donkey will look like, because C- remember what's interesting about, uh, Puss in Boots, the last wish is it's, it's really kind of a different style than we, we saw uh, for the earlier, uh, cause face it, we we've had Puss in Boots has been a character in the Shrek franchise since what Shrek two back in 2004 this is kind of a different take style was on on the animation for the shrek films but but evidently there was a decision made that okay that this is where we revealed that this is actually going to happen or at least that's what i was told have you you heard anything to that effect or i haven't heard i
1: know that this is sort of the inaugural film in the next kind of stage of shrek mm-hmm. movies or whatever you want to say but I, i'm very interested to see if The art style will persist. Like, is this going to be, is this what Shrek is going to look like? Yeah, there's some really interesting DreamWorks movies coming up that are, that we can't talk about yet, but I'm really looking forward to some really fun original movies and then other things like the third Trolls movie, which I've heard is Mm -hmm. wonderful, and Mm -hmm. Kung Fu Panda 4, and the new Shrek, and it's just, it feels like a very exciting time for DreamWorks.
0: They went through a tough time during all of those years when Jeffrey was trying to line up someone to buy them. So it's it's nice that they have a safe harbor now where they can do good work, and it'll be interesting to see going forward here. But, you know, what bubbles up? Oh, speaking of bubbles, uh, back in 1989, Stephen Hillenberg was working at the Ocean Institute at Dana Point, California, and he was teaching marine science and was trying to get the kids as a class excited about the various forms of sea life that can be found in tidal pools around the California coast. And thinking that eh, maybe taking a non-traditional approach to this educational material might be a way to make a breakthrough, get the kids finally engaged. So Hillenberg creates an educational comic book called The Intertidal Zone. And Drew, who was introduced in that educational comic book?
1: You might remember him, Jim, as a as – a, he lives in a pineapple under the sea. That's how I'll give you – I'll start you off with that. But that's right. the hint.
0: Okay. Uh, but his,
1: he would be he, – was he called SpongeBob SquarePants in that initial project?
0: I, I think initially it was SpongeBoy I, I had a friend, Justin Jorgensen, who knew Stephen. I think they went to CalArts together. And he was talking about, hey, you know, Steven's placed his his show. They're going to do the pilot at, at Nickelodeon. And it's like, what's it called? It, it's SpongeBob SquarePants. And I made him say the name four, four times because it was like, that can't really be the name. SpongeBob SquarePants? Anyway, uh, uh, sadly, we, we lost Bustiglenburg back in November of 2018 to ALS. But SpongeBob is an ongoing concern. Uh, what is it? 278 episodes of the original series produced to date. Three theatrically released films. With a fourth on the way. There we go. In 2025. And two spin spin-offs from the original series. The Patrick Star Show. And then over at Paramount Plus, we have Camp Coral SpongeBob's Under Years. And in 2023, Nickelodeon is presenting The Tidal Zone. Which, in a very MCU sort of way, is the very first SpongeBob universe crossover uh, special. It's a, So it's Patrick Starr's grandfather, Grand Pat, goes on a multidimensional adventure and visits the worlds of all three of the SpongeBob-related animated series. And... Just, I love the folks. The, the folks who were working on this called it "Title Zone" as kind of a nod back to the comic book that you know started it all—the the, the intertitle zone.
1: But also, isn't it isn't it a Twilight Zone too? Because the 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 issue is that there's going to be 3D and 2D characters interacting or something.
0: like yeah. I wonder if they're going to do the the Simpsons thing. Remember the? It must have been like the second or third Treehouse of Horror where. Homer steps through the wall and suddenly becomes the... Was that Rhythm and Hues that did that?
1: Yes, it was Rhythm and Hues.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) every possible 3D animation cliche, you know, right down to the green grid and the pulsing electrons and the cones. Didn't it end with 3D Homer out in the world, you know, and being excited about a store that sold erotic cakes?
1: Yes. I never felt more connected. (laughs) to Homer <laughs> than in that moment. <laughs> well,
0: okay. I All right. We, we've gone down a very strange rabbit hole here, folks. All right. I'll tell you what. Uh, when we get back, we'll talk about something also from uh, the early 90s, Beauty and the Beast and, and how that wound up going to Broadway. Drew, wanted to thank you uh, again for talking up uh, Ken Plume's The Art of DuckTales. Uh, caved in and, and actually got myself a deluxe copy of the thing. And you were not wrong. It has some really, really cool stuff. I especially like the, the supplemental material that's in the soft cover that sort of looks like the Junior Woodchuck handbook.
1: Yes, that was all the stuff that they had to cut from the main book due to paper shortages, Jim.
0: Ken has made folks aware that if you go to his Patreon page, I believe uh, it's called DuckArt. Art. If you Google Ken Plume Patreon, th- this will come up. But he's actually made some additional pages that didn't make it into the Junior Woodchuck thing. With more information about the crew, you can download that there and print that up and sort of slip that into your book. He's also... Put together this amazing eight by eight book plate a beautiful metallic shiny thing that celebrates the 75th anniversary of the character of scrooge mcduck the 35th anniversary of the original ducktales series and the fifth anniversary of the reboot so if you you want to make something that's already special the deluxe edition of ducktales even more special go check out what ken's up to over on patreon uh, we were just referring to Beauty and the Beast, uh, which, by the way, 31 years ago, tomorrow, uh, November 22nd, was when that was released to theaters. And it was the first full-length animated feature to receive a Best Picture nomination. And it, 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 mind you, it did okay at the Academy Award. It, it took home, what, two Oscars, right? The one for Best Score and then Best Song? Yes. Three songs from the score actually were nominated for best song there was bell there was be our guest and then the title tune beauty and the beast and and that's the one that took home the oscar so did you ever get to see the broadway show whether the touring company or, or when it was at the palace of the lundfontein i
1: never did and you know what i was going to go actually see them shooting the new special tomorrow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's getting out too late, and so I I don't think I can go. Okay. So I will watch it on ABC with the rest of you.
0: This is an ongoing franchise. In fact, Thomas Schumacher, as recently as 2019, was talking about how there was a revival in the works of Beauty and the Beast and it would be coming back to Broadway. Obviously those plans got delayed or stymied by the pandemic, but evidently that's still Something that's in the works, and, and but for me, what's fascinating is how Beauty and the Beast went from being an animated film to being a Broadway musical. And well, you've heard the story about Frank Rich, right, the theater critic for the New York Times,
1: about yes, the not? what he said about the animated movie being yeah. the best Broadway show, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, the best Broadway yes. score of that year, 1991, and that got Michael Leiser's attention. You know, the guy grows up in New York and you know reads the paper of record, so. That's cool. But Michael was more excited about the fact that Beauty and the Beast, uh, up until Aladdin came along, was the top grossing animated feature of all time. It it took home $145 million in, in North America alone. And it was like, okay, you know, let's do what we do here at Disney. So there were theme park shows. And in fact, the very first version of a Beauty and the Beast show at Disneyland was the Enchanted Bookshop. And this wasn't staged any place big, like uh, Videopolis or the Tomorrowland stage or that sort of thing. It was staged at the Plaza Gardens. You remember that tiny little theater off of the hub? In fact, isn't that what they turned into the princess meet and greet at Disneyland a couple of years back?
1: Is this the place where like the like jazz bands would play There we play go. On that, s- Friday that's nights. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, and you can actually go on YouTube right now and watch this show. To bring the beast on stage, they actually have Gaston and Goofy. And again, this is Bill Farmer recording Goofy's dialogue and Goofy singing. They do the a dragon, a dragon. I swear I saw a dragon song from Pete's dragon, only changing the words to a beast. I saw a horrible beast. But again, it's, it's this Mickey, Donald, Goofy, mini Pluto show. But they have these these wonderful little puppet versions of Lumiere and Cogsworth and It's the sort of thing that Disney used to do. It's like, okay, this new movie is coming out. The parks need to support it. Entertainment has this much money. Okay, this is what we'll do. If we go to the East Coast at Disney MGM, they did Beauty and the Beast live on stage. This was uh, staged in the Theater of the Stars. In fact, it opened on the exact same day as the movie. It It came live at the studio park on November 22nd, 1991. So in 1995, On the opening day of Toy Story, I went to the AMC Pleasure Island, saw the movie, and then got out in time to drive over to Disney MGM to catch the very first presentation to the public of the Toy Story Parade. So again, that was one of the the weird perks of living in Florida at the time. You could see the movie and then go immediately see how they promoted this thing in the parks or celebrated it. But at that point, it was still more of a review of Beauty and the Beast more than it was a retelling of the film. The Academy Awards happen March 30th, 1992. And the company is looking at Beauty and the Beast and is like, wow, that is a hit. And we need to sort of rethink how we're doing this in the park. So April 11th, 1992, a new version of Beauty and the Beast opens at Disneyland. This one is staged in the videopolis theater it's a much more polished professional version of the show in fact it's directed by a robert jesse roth with a choreography by matt west so here's the thing eisner goes to the park sees it likes it but then at the end of that month michael travels to new york where the international radio and television society holds a benefit at the waldorf astoria and they decide they're going to give Michael Eisner a medal. And so Disney hears about this and say, oh, hey, we can help make this even more of an occasion. They get Regis Philbin and Kathy Lee, but they decide, OK, while we're doing this, why don't our entertainment for the evening, why don't we stage a show around the music of Beauty and the Beast? So that they put together a 20 minute long show called Beauty and the Beast, the magic of the music. And. You have the original voice talent from Beauty and the Beast. You Paige O'Hara is there and sings, you know, Bell and something there. A number of the songs from the score, but also Jerry Orbach is there. And he does Be Our Guest. And Leah Salonga, the singing voice of Jasmine from Aladdin is there. It's the very first public performance of any song from Aladdin. She actually sings A Whole New World with Gallen Fott, who uh, is the gentleman who originated the role of Gaston in Beauty and the Beast live on stage at Walt Disney World. But sort of to stack the deck here to to make the show as professional as possible, Disney brings a couple of folks up from Walt Disney World. Uh, they bring up Andrea Kenny. She's the the young lady who originated the role of Belle at Disney MGM, but she's she's there basically the back up Paige O'Hara do the, the harmonies, that sort of thing. The reason I w- was thrilled that they pulled Disney talent to do this is Darren DePaul and Paula Pell, who were members of the original cast of the Adventurers Club. Paula played Pamela Perkins the the chairwoman of the club and Darren DePaul hands down was my favorite Otis friend i get he was just had a wonderful take on the character anyway at the end of this presentation Eisner comes backstage and just blithers he's like oh my god that was so good I mean this could really be a Broadway show I mean I know people have been talking about it I mean you saw that Frank rich thing but this could really be a Broadway show and so Michael after this gold medal presentation goes back to California actually reaches out to Jesse Roth and Matt West and says hey that version of beauty and the beast that you do at disneyland you know the the half hour long version of the show i need to talk with you guys what would you think about taking that and turning that into a full on broadway musical they were just kind of startled uh and like yeah we'd be willing to do that so michael hooks them up with jeffrey katzberg the then head of animation because at this point disney doesn't have a theatrical an arm of the company that, that stages you know, Broadway musicals, that sort of thing. So it's Jeffrey working with Arthur with and West who gets his thing going. And Gary Beach, who originated the role of Lumiere in, in the Broadway version of Beauty and the Beast, I asked him about how he got the role for Lumiere on Broadway, and he said it was it was so funny. He had friends who'd worked in the film, so he actually went to the El Cap for the premiere in Hollywood. And loved the movie, especially loved Jerry Orbrock's performance as as Lumiere and then a couple of months later he goes to Disneyland and sees not the, the Enchanted Bookshop version but the, the full stage version that they were doing at Videopolis and Lumiere is, is the star of the show and does a great job and Gary's walking out of the park sort of why can't I get a role like Lumiere and so uh, we jump ahead to now it's like the late winter early spring of 1993 and Gary's a- agreed to do a show with Carol Burnett in Long Beach and a casting agent, Jay Binder, keeps reaching out to to Gary and going, hey, Disney's doing workshopping of a stage version of Beauty and the Beast and you, you, we would really love to have you for Lumiere. And can you come out? And he's like, well, I'd love to. I really would. But I'm, I'm doing this thing with Carol Burnett and I can't back out. And he mentions it to Carol and Carol was the one. It's like, well, it's Disney. You got to. You got to go. No, 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 no. Don't worry about the show we're doing here. You go audition. You go be part of the workshop. And, you know, that's how we wound up in Broadway as Lumiere. Like I said, I feel bad, Drew, that you're not going to get to see the shoot of the Beauty and the Beast celebration that's going to have. Is it ABC in December, right?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. So, Uh you know,
0: I know they they talked about it for holiday uh, 2022, but... I also, and again, it still kind of blows my mind that you have not, you didn't get to see and the Beast, and you haven't seen Lion King yet.
1: I'm, you know, depraved, or deprived, one of the two. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) both, actually, at this point. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I would love to see them all.
0: One of the reasons Drew can't do this stuff is he's a very busy guy. In addition to writing 9,000 stories and keeping tabs on Bob Chapek and Bob Iger, we, he also does his wonderful Light Diffuse podcast with Charles Hood. So what's going on with Light Diffuse the these days?
1: We talked to uh, a sound designer who's actually working on 7 and 8 mm-hmm. and who is trying to get us. Um, we, we are sending him recordings of our dogs to try to sneak into the background of of the Mission Impossible. Uh, so we'll see if that actually happens. Somewhere in the mix, uh, we want our, our dogs in there. But um, no, we have... We have a lot of great episodes coming up so yeah just keep on trucking.
0: Oh, I love that that, that Nova's going to make the big time. But again, you can stay on top of Drew's work at the rap likewise um, you know the the light diffuse what's coming down the, the the pike for that podcast by following us him on social media which I, I admit has gotten a little challenging with the will it won't it crash thing that's going on with with Twitter. What did you decide, by the way? Are you going to Massett, aren't you? Are you going, setting I, up yeah, shopping? I think
1: I'm just going to go. I'm too old to to switch platforms at this point, Jim. I'm just mm. going to ride it until the, the wheels fall off. So find me <laughs> right now uh, at Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt, on Instagram and, and Twitter.
0: So that means for social media-wise, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media. And uh, over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. I guess it's going to do it. Uh, so we'll we'll cut Drew Loose and hopefully he and Katie will have a wonderful time in Palm Springs and we'll pick up again next week.